welcome to the Backend Engineering Show with your host, Hussein Nasser. This is the show where we discuss the art and the craft of building software and cover recent news on backend technologies. If you enjoy the show, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel and rate it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. With that said, let's get on the show. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. What's going on, guys? Another day, another Microsoft outage. Uh, this happened uh, two days ago, actually, on April 1st, April Fool's Day. And um, a lot of Microsoft services just went down. Uh, Microsoft actually revealed the issue back then. It was a DNS issue, but we don't know much information back then. And I make a quick, I made a quick video talking about that, right? Um, they released uh, a, a root cause analysis, so I thought I'd just make a video, a quick video, to discuss this. But I think uh, we can learn a thing or two. But uh, I just want to go through the list of outages that they had, right? Back on April 1st, that's the latest one that happened two days ago. There is another one that happened March 18th. I completely missed that. I'm not sure if it was like maybe it was a weekend because uh, we, we didn't see anyone complaining about it. But this one is, is the most interesting one, right? And then t- three days before, that's the one I reported on, March 15th, right? Uh, the authentication and the token bug, right? Where the token was uh, a token was essentially incorrectly revoked and uh, causes every, every single uh, service to freak out. And uh, they did not uh, accept any authentication. There's another way on uh, another one March 9th or, or it's just or Argentina and Uruguay. I'm not not the entire world. All of this were global. Outages do happen, guys. This is absolutely normal. This is how what do you do when when you have when you're serving the entire globe obviously, right? And and you have the scale of Microsoft obviously. Google has the same thing and Microsoft is not as uh, experiencing these challenges and learning from them and just moving on so there's nothing we can do it's like we're not here just to kind of poke fun at these outages no we're here to learn and educate ourselves as engineers so that we don't fall into it so that we if we uh if we face the challenge or a problem that we want to solve we know what not to do because these are just lessons that we can extract from these outages let's read through the RCA uh, that happened on April 1st, and let's discuss. The title is Root Cause Analysis. DNS issue impacting multiple Microsoft services tracking ID GVY5-TZZ, or ZZ if you're in the UK. Summary of the impact. Between 921 UTC and 22 
which is 10 o'clock in the, uh, in the evening. On April 1st, Azure DNS experienced a, sh a service rely availability issue. This resulted in customers being unable to resolve DNS names for services they use, which resulted in intermittent failures accessing or managing Azure or Microsoft services. Due to the nature of DNS, the impacts of the issue was observed across multiple reasons. Recovery time varied by service, but the majority of service recovered by 2230. So they, I guess, it took one hour. That's not so bad, right? They started getting services by one hour. Some people experience more than that, but one hour is is is, is good, right? They they managed to fix the issues. So what caused that issue? Right. Obviously, I was I was fixing my car, so I did. I wasn't at work. I wasn't working, so I did not actually experience that, right? And thank you for everyone who asked me about my car. Uh, it was just a tire blown. I had to change it, and the lugs were stuck and because of California's heat, they melted and they couldn't get it off. That's the problem. Root cause analysis. Azure DNS servers experienced an anomalous surge in DNS queries from across the globe, targeting a set of domains hosting, hosted on Azure. Normally, Azure's layers of caches, which the first thing that we thought about, right? Caches, where's caches? Where's the cache? Why are we having DNS surge? Normally, Azure caches and traffic shaping would mitigate this surge. In this incident, one specific sequence of events exposed a code defect in our DNS service that reduced the efficiency of our DNS edge caches. As our DNS service became overloaded, DNS clients began frequent retries. We know what happened when we do retries, guys right <laughs> this is this is the major problems that we have in microservices uh, retries and short circuit sh sh short circuit breaking all these things amplify the number of requests the more requests you have right you make a request and the client times out right and then although yeah the client times out but the servers is the server or the service keeps executing that request because it doesn't know that you actually timed out, right? They don't have knowledge, right, of each other, the client and the service. So now the client says, "Okay, let me retry." So it will try to it will it will cancel that request, and by cancel we mean give up. Very few services have the ability to truly cancel a request. It's very very difficult. It's a stateful way of cancellation. GRPC supports it, but you have to do it really right. You have to get it right to cancel a request. Because what does that mean? I'm in the middle of something. Right? You have to have hooks on the server side to cancel a request. There is no way to do it easily. Right? There's a lot of work. So by canceling here, we mean, hey, I just give up. Let me make another request. All of a sudden, you just double the amount of requests. That request now is waiting. And now imagine thousands and thousands of DNS clients doing the same thing. Obviously, it's going to become overloaded, right? As our DNS service become overloaded, DNS clients begin frequent retries of their request, which added workload to the DNS service. Since client retries are considered legitimate DNS traffic, that's, this traffic was not dropped by our vol volumetric spike monitoring systems. 
That's very interesting because it was it wasn't just a normal HTTP request. It would have been detected by their monitoring and m- mitigation system. It's like, hey, there's a spike. You know what? Uh, that's that's what Slack did like uh, a few months ago when they had uh, in January 2021 when they had it. Like, hey, there's a lot of requests. Let's kill those requests so that our service. Uh, continue processing the existing one and then let's let, let it in they had to do that they can do that because they have control over this this is a completely different thing that's why that's why i think a little bit interesting here right it's a dns request you can't just stop dns request dns this is the most legitimate request ever it's a udp request a packet usually lightweight and usually process very quick but the the cache misses here is what got microsoft Okay, let's continue. This increase in traffic led to decreased availability of our DNS service. So the DNS being resolved, uh, let's go if you want to go to, go to teams.microsoft.com, imagine all of these clients trying to resolve teams, right? Eventually, and here's what, how DNS works, guys, right? DNS works with multi-layers. So you will call, ideally, you will call for DNS requests, you will call your local DNS provider. Usually this is your ISP, but you can override it to be anything you want. People started do- using Cloudflare recently and Google. Uh, Cloudflare is 1111 and Google is 8888. So if you're calling that, say, where's teams.microsoft.com? It will try to answer from the cache, from its cache. If it doesn't know, it will forward the request to an uh another DNS, intermediate DNS resolver. Until this forwarding happens, until you reach what we call the root DNS server that is responsible to resolve this domain, which is uh, Microsoft.com belonging Microsoft servers. So the authoritative DNS server is at Microsoft. That's what happened. So the caching are not happening just at the Microsoft layer. There are different caches all around the globe, but those got timed out eventually. Those caches got stale, and Cloudflare and Google had to uh, had to make requests eventually to Google uh, to Microsoft to get the latest DNS request, and this essentially uh, exacerbated the problem. So what we learned here is. If you don't have cash for this, you ha- you, sh- you better have a lot of these DNS servers resolved, ready to process these requests. And you have to have all sorts of caching to uh, to make it, mitigate this. Because like, imagine all everybody's calling on Microsoft, not just browsers, uh, APIs, IoT, Microsoft um, Teams, and 365 services. Imagine all these services everybody is calling into dns eventually this dns request poured in into this dns servers that micro uh, that microsoft have so what did they do mitigation the decrease in service availability triggered our monitoring systems and engaged our engineers our dns services automatically recovered themselves by 2020 uh, to, by 10 o'clock at the evening sheesh i can't read uh, this military timing 2200 right let's let's be uh, fancy 2200 utc this recovery time exceeded our design goal and our engineers prepared additional serving capacity and the ability to answer dns queries from the volumetric spike mitigation system in 
case uh, further mitigation steps were needed. So they increased the amount of uh, DNS resolvers essentially to solve this, right? Because they they just couldn't keep up with the with the amount of load, right? It's just interesting because remember if if you don't if nobody has the knowledge about your dns resolver the more you wait the worse it gets because if if at least one or two services the intermediate dns resolvers got the ip address for your dns host then that's not a problem it's going to be cached downstream <laughs> but what if nobody got this stuff all this not just end users intermediate dns resolvers are asking microsoft and there are thousands and thousands of those right and uh, if you don't get and and there are clients of those intermediate dns resolvers that are asking google that are asking cloudflare uh, for microsoft.com or for azure.com or for the status.azure.com all these dns and Google and Micro and Cloud don't know the answer. They have to connect Micro, and that just this exacerbated the request. Obviously, immediately after the incident, we updated the logic of the volumetric spike mitigation system to protect the DNS service from excessive retries. Okay, so they they started adding the logic into their monitoring system to monitor retries on DNS service and and stop it because you have to stop it at the end of the day. Because you cannot just accept, accept, accept. At the end of the day, you're going to increase your limits. Which is something very interesting happened on March. I'm going to read through that because... Uh, uh, sorry, guys. I know it's going to make the video longer. But I think it's very, very interesting to read through the other piece. Which I think it's it's not really related. But I think it's interesting. I'm not going to make another video for it. I just So enjoy the extra content. <laughs> Alright, next steps. We apologize for the impact to affected customers. We are continuously taking steps to improve the Microsoft Azure platform and our processes to help ensure such incidents do not occur in the future. In this case, this includes, but is not limited to, repair the code defect so that all requests can be efficiently handled in the cache. Okay, this is obviously one of the solution, or if if not the solution, just, just cache it on. And when I say cache here, we're talking about caching at Microsoft site. We're not talking about outside cache. Outside cache is taken for granted, obviously. That's without saying. We need to cache at the, at the edge of Microsoft servers. Improve the automatic detection and mitigation of the anonymous traffic pattern, which they did, right? They uh, they mentioned that. All right. So let's go through this, uh, the other one. I think you're going to enjoy this. This is, this is really good. Azure Key Vault intermi Intermittent Failures. So they had, on March 18, they had another outage where a subset of customers experienced issues and encountered error message internal server errors when accessing their vaults in West Europe and North Europe region. Oh, it's only on Europe. Okay. There was only on Europe. <laughs> only on Europe. It's basically half the word. These... Errors were directly impacting customers performing operations on the control plane and data plane for Azure Key Vault or for supported scenarios that uh, that, cus that use customers manage keys for encryption or the rest of Azure uh, resource providers, in which case those resources will remain available. So what happened really here? I just want to read the blurb that I'm interested in here. This is relatable to me. 
this happened to me. That's why I would like to read it to you guys. And I think, yeah, you're going to enjoy it. Root cause. Azure Key Vault microservice that handles storage transactions in West Europe region was impacted by a high CPU usage event in one of the processes that runs on the VMs. So there's a microservice that handles this Azure Key Vault and it's running on a on one of the VMs, one of the VMs. And where do VMs live? They live eventually on a physical machine. So you have this one physical machine, this bare metal that is hosting maybe thousands of VMs. And there's one VM that is have high CPU usage. The resource utilization of that process was not constrained and it impacted underlining machines supporting Azure Key Vault service at uh, 11 o'clock. Wow. Because that VM didn't have any constraints that, hey, you can grow as, as, as large as you can. That's what she said. And basically, because you didn't have any limit, the VM just took over the whole machine. And the rest of the VMs that is in that same physical machine starved to death, essentially. And then just basically stopped responding to other stuff, which kind of, we saw this downstream behavior of one thing leads to another thing leads to another thing. All right. So that's very interesting. This is very, very common. I, I've done this before where a VM just didn't have any constraint by default. And there's, oh, well, just why is this thing not working? Right. It has nothing to do with it. Just if you go to the VM, the VM will report, hey, everything is happy and dandy, right? Because the VM says, hey, I'm not doing anything. But outside CPU, the outside machine is being pegged by one of the VMs because the VMs actually took all the resources. The increased CPU utilization led to connection drops to the other backend system. Makes sense, right? It's like one once once you don't have CPU to process packets that comes in. You're done, right? Hey guys, Hussein from editing. As I started reading and editing through the video, now I'm not 100% sure what really happened. So now here's what happened. We have a process that is running in a VM and that VM is sitting besides other VMs in the same physical machine, right? That single process running this key vault microservice took over and, and hit 100% CPU. Now, did it took, did it took over, did it take, did it take over that single VM that is this processing on? Or did it even go further and took over that VM and went all the way and took over the processes of that machine itself, the physical machine? That I'm not sure about, so I just wanted to clarify that. I am I think it's the earlier where the process took over that VM. The other VMs in that physical machine I think it remain uh intact. But I I could be wrong. It's not clear from the article. Let me know what do you think. Back to the video. You'll see other services start to fall down. The monitoring system detected the failures and triggered an automatic failures of the West Europe so, uh, services to North Europe at vault in west region were then limited to read-only operation so it was limited to read-only operations west europe vms for the microservice continued to be unhealthy and north europe served the traffic for both regions so it shifted to north uh, north europe 
right? So, so there was like a, some sort of a failover, I guess. And then now all the requests flip to the North Europe. The same background process experienced high CPU usage in North Europe at this. <laughs> now, now North Europe just kicked in the same bug. Oh, not bug, really. It's just the, that North Europe. We know that West Europe just got screwed, right? Now, failover took over. The, we went to North Europe. And North Europe now have the same problem. One of the VMs, high CPU, the underlying machine just died. And all the VMs just die as a result, living on top of that physical machine. Again, I don't think that's what's happened. I think the VM that the process is running went down and all the microservices running on that VM went down with it. The other VMs that has nothing to do with that VM should remain isolated. Again, that's just a speculation. At this point, the failures across both regions caused an outage for both read and write. Okay, because you can't even read. You were able to read, but now you can't even read or write. Availability of vaults in both regions. While working on this mitigation, the automated systems triggered a series of failures, failovers, and uh, failbacks. So guys, this only affects if you were unlucky and your to-do microservice lives on a VM that happens to be in the same machine that this key vault is in, your application is done, essentially. So some lucky services were not in the same physical machine as a key vault azure which which makes sense like as you distribute things you it's good to distribute the things kind of randomly and don't put things consistently right because i know the other machines continue working normally right because they don't have this one key vault thing that just took over the whole machine the automated system triggered a series of failovers and failbacks which led to the service switching traffic between West Europe and North Europe as each region alternate becoming healthy and unhealthy with shifting traffic. So they just like back and forth, back and forth. Mitigation. At the first measure to remedy this, uh, uh, the situation underlying VM supporting key, guys, what, what, would be the, what would be the measure? Should be limit the VM so it, does, it doesn't increase. Like, hey, you can only have one CPU or two CPUs. And, and hey, you can only consume, I don't know, 50% of the CPU. You cannot do more than that. As a first measure to remedy the situation underlying VMs supporting Azure Key Vault were rebooted. They just rebooted the whole machine. However, the CPU usage continued to be high in the VMs. Engineers then deployed new VMs with higher capacity to handle the increased CPU usage. Oh, so just deploy a new CPU. Okay. And redirected traffic to them. Once this was completed, both regions recover also as a preliminary measure to prevent recurrence in other regions the capacity was increased so they just increased the capacity interesting why wouldn't they limit okay that's weird let's continue reading maybe they will do it here we apologize blah 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 the first precautionary measure taken was to increase the number of vms and capacity for the microservices globally to prevent outages from from a similar issue so because the, now the vms yeah, there is a problem because the VM is taking a lot, lot of CPU. That means we need more VMs of this instance. We need more instances of this key vault thing because apparently one VM is not handling it. So spin up more, right? Now you need, I think we need to kind of limit this from happening. 
right? I guess uh, they won't be doing it. Let's see. New monitors have been added to watch for increased resource resource usage from processes. Failover and fail back is being constrained. What is fail back? I never heard of this before. Interesting. I guess failovers go to the other machine and then when we flip back, when the other machine is healthy, we fail back. Oh, I guess that's what it means. Never heard of this before. I guess they go side by side. Okay. Is being constrained to prevent ping pong between uh, repair region because of this ping pong, as we talked about, fail back, fail over, fail back forever. <laughs> because if you go back and forth, that's just uh, that's just a lot of uh, resources being consumed, right? Which extended the recovery time. The team is working on modifying the failover pattern for the service so that the paired region is not affected by the failover traffic from another region. So they are the failover region when we go from West Europe to North Europe. Let's dedicate certain areas in the new region, in the failover region, for the failover stuff so that we don't take over the whole region, right? Just dedicate a new area. That's a good idea. I like it. We are looking into resource usage by processes on the underlying VMs that support key Azure Key Vault and working to build capacity model and restrict high usage by a single process. Okay, they, they are doing it. This is just the final, uh, essentially, a f- final solution for them. All right, guys, I think I think this these two... And, and the third one, obviously, I discussed it. I'm going to reference the video, guys, if you want to learn more about it. But this is interesting. I think I, I take that back. The DNS issue is actually interesting. Uh, the idea of having different kind of caches and the monitoring and the retry concept, it's uh, it's interesting. The whole thing is very interesting because i never seen uh, DNS queries taking down servers before, right? This is this is new, right? Uh, I, I maybe maybe you guys saw saw something like that, but DNS is interesting. I mean, uh, regardless of actual attacks, this was not an attack. This was just, as far as we know, we know this is not an attack, right? But this is uh, this is just normal processes that is exacerbated by the missing cache or the defect of the caching. So I found it interesting. Let me know, guys. What do you think? Uh, in the comment section below i'm gonna see you on the next one guys again kudos for the microsoft engineers uh on top of everything uh or as usual this is this is difficult situations uh if you if you are an engineer in these companies uh kudos to you guys i know this this is a very stressful and very tough job so thank you so much for all the engineers my fellow brethren and sisters. Good job. And I'm going to see you in the next one. You guys stay awesome. Goodbye.